welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. Very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. John 20 verse 19 to 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Well, hi, I'm Brian Harris, serves as the pastor at large here at Kerry, and must greet you in the, the traditional Easter way where around the world, people who believe in Jesus start off by just saying that little statement, Christ has risen, and then everyone thunders back, he has risen indeed. So, so I think Pete started that, but uh, maybe you weren't alert that there's, an, there's actually a role for you, and your role is the reply, he has risen indeed. So Christ has risen. Pathetic. Okay, let's... Do that again, because you're clearly not into this yet. Christ has risen. Christ has risen. And that is the amazing day that we remember today. An amazing day. Hey, I wonder if you've ever been part of a discussion that seems a little bizarre, but you're with friends, and your conversation just goes whatever way it actually goes. And I can remember once being with a group of friends, two of them from the UK, and we were talking about the best invitations we've ever had, and who'd had the most prestigious and the most important invitations to do things. And kids, I don't know if you've ever had amazing invitations to like just the coolest kid's birthday party or, or whatever. But uh, I tried to think through, you know, what was the best invitation I'd ever had, and to tell you the truth, I thought, oh, pretty dull life. I couldn't think of anything too exciting, particularly when my two British friends started to speak. 
because they were clearly in the, the winner's category. And the, the, the one guy said, well, you know, his most exciting invitation was when he was invited to have dinner with the British Prime Minister, who was then Tony Blair. And uh, not to be beaten, this British woman said, oh, well, I was invited to have tea with the Queen. Uh, and, you, you know, kind of raised eyebrows a little bit, but uh, they were reasonably important people. And I thought, this is probably true. And, and then they started to kind of just play off each other in terms of which of those two invitations was the most impressive. Uh, and the, the, the guy who had had dinner with the British Prime Minister, uh, you know, said, well, you know, that's much more important than tea with the Queen because uh, it turned out that his dinner invitation with Tony Blair was with just a small group of people, and there were just a dozen of them, and they'd had dinner together at, at 10 Downing Street. Whereas this, uh, this woman who had had tea with the Queen, well, there were actually several hundred people there at this annual tea party. But uh, this woman wasn't to be beaten into thinking that her invitation was less significant. She was like, yeah, but a queen really trumps a prime minister. A, a queen is just so much more important. I mean, Tony Blair, Tony who? I mean, he used to be the prime minister. He's nobody now. But the queen, she's still the queen, thank you very much. So that's much more important. And there might have been a lot of people there, but uh, it was with a much more important figure, thank you. But he wasn't to be outdone, and he said, yeah, but I mean, let's face it, cucumber sandwiches are all very nice, but uh, you know, I had a multi-course dinner with multiple drinks with the British Prime Minister. That's much more important. And, and I was left to adjudicate you know, who'd had the more impressive invitation. What, what, what do you think? Do you think the Prime Minister gets it? How, how many of you think the Prime Minister was the more important one? Yeah, okay, not a very political group, this one. Uh, the, 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 the Queen is more important? Uh, okay. Well, whatever you might think. I mean, I mean invitations, they, they, they're things that you're supposed to respond to, aren't they? And, and I wonder if you've ever thought of Easter as an invitation. Uh, I mean, have you thought back of that first Easter Sunday morning? There were a group of women, and we're told that they were the first witnesses to the empty tomb of Jesus. And we're given some of their names, though not all their names are mentioned. There was Mary, the mother of Jesus. There was Mary Magdalene. There was Joanna. And they had set out very early on that Easter Sunday morning to put spices in the body of Jesus because we know that after he was crucified, he had to be buried in enormous haste. Jews always bury people on the, on the day of their death. And the Sabbath was coming, so that put particular pressure on him because you're not allowed to do any work like burying people on the Sabbath day. And so Jesus had been buried, but it had been a very hasty burial. And, and you can imagine the conversation that had gone on amongst the women on the Sabbath day when they weren't allowed to do anything. They would have been saying, oh, you know, can't, can't believe this. I mean, he was just so alive one minute, and, and then he was dead. I mean, you can't take it in. And, and it's absolutely disgusting to think that we had to bury him so quickly that he really hasn't even been buried properly. I mean, he doesn't have, have the spices that he should have. And, and another woman would say, well, 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 we could go and rectify that. We could anoint the body like we're supposed to. And, and I don't know who took the initiative, because these things always have someone who's an initiator, but somehow the plan gets hatched. We will go off early on the Sunday morning, and we will anoint the body of Jesus. We will put spices on it. And with that, there must have been a bit of an invitation. So, so will you be part of this? Will, will you come along? And, and, and we're told there's this little core group, Mary, Mary, Mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, but we're told that there were other women who went along. And, and, and you, you wonder as the invitation went out, how it went out. I mean, did they say to each other, you, you know, would you like to be there? Do you have some spices that, 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 that you could share? Is there something that you could bring to this? You know, what could you contribute? I mean, you're going to set out really early in the morning. And, and I wonder, and, and like, we're just wondering here, 
I wonder perhaps there was a, a woman, because this would have been considered women's work in those days, the men wouldn't have got an invite. But was there a woman there who was invited and who said, ah, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm knackered. It's just been such a draining, difficult time. And, and you want to go that early in the morning before the sun has even risen? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sleeping in tomorrow. Just, just count me out. I wonder, I wonder if there was someone who, who kind of could have gone along, who would have been invited, someone who forever afterwards was saying, you know what, I had the opportunity to be the very first witness to the resurrection of Jesus. I was invited to be part of that party who was going to put spices on the body of Jesus. I was invited and I was the one who discovered that the tomb was empty. I was there. I was the first. I was the first. I had that opportunity. I had that invitation. But it just seemed like too busy, too much work. Not going to do this. Thank you very much. Or have you ever wondered about Thomas? I mean, we read about Thomas in, in that second reading from John chapter 20. I mean, after the death of Jesus, the disciples band together, and you can understand why they do that. Thomas has been one of the 12 disciples. And, and as they get together, I imagine that they decide that they need to just spend some time together. And they probably wouldn't have used the word, we need to debrief about that, this, because this is a very 21st century word. But in their own way, I'm sure that they were there together, sticking together to debrief and to think, so what next? Where do we go from here? What's going to happen after this? And I don't know why Thomas suddenly leaves the group, and we don't know. We're not given any reason, but we do know that we're told in John chapter 20 that Jesus suddenly comes to this group of disciples who, who, who gathered together and shows himself to be resurrected from the dead. Jesus shows himself to have conquered death, have got to the other side of death, and Thomas is missing. Thomas is not there. It all got a little too much for Thomas. Perhaps he had just gone for some air. Perhaps he had just gone for a walk. Perhaps he had had some business to transact. Perhaps we don't know why he wasn't there, but he was not there. And, and when he comes back, they tell him, you, you, you know, Thomas, you won't believe what happened when you were gone. I mean, when you were gone, Jesus came, and, and he's alive. He, he's actually conquered death. We, we've seen him. And, and Thomas isn't one of those men who are quick to say, oh, I blew it, you know, I really should have been there. So he immediately begins with his bluster. Yeah, Jesus risen from the dead, yeah, right. Like, I mean, I know, I saw him, he's dead. And don't you know, don't you know, don't you know, dead is dead is dead is dead. What rubbish you are speaking. I will never believe that this happened. I'd only believe it if I looked at his hands and saw the nail prints there, or if I looked at his side and saw the spear wound there. I mean, listen, if I'd been here, the only thing I would have seen would have been you all hallucinating. You're pathetic. It never really happened. And Hot Thomas sticks around a little longer. And <laughs> turns out that this time, having missed the party, wasn't such a serious thing. Because Jesus is suddenly there and clearly had been hearing every word of the conversation because as he appears, he comes and he says to Thomas, Thomas, here I am. Now, now here are my hands. Do you see them? Do you see the nail prints? Nails which were put there for you, for the forgiveness of your sin. Do you see the spear where the blood poured out? The blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sin, Thomas. Now come on, Thomas, you must believe. Time to believe. Time to believe. And Thomas does the only thing that he could do at that point in time. He falls on his knees and he says, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God.
Easter. Easter is this invitation to come and to stand at the empty tomb of Jesus and to ask the most important questions that you can possibly ask. And and the most important questions that you can ask in life are to say, why am I here? Is there a God? Is the story true? Is the story of Easter actually true? Because if it is true, if God has come and lived amongst us, if this God died to remove all the barriers to our relationship with him, if this God Jesus has died for me but has conquered death, if that has happened, that has to transform everything. And Easter is an invitation to stand for a while, to stand and to pause and to consider and to ask the question, not just where is the body, intriguing though it is because, I mean, 2,000 years later, we've never found the body. I remember when I was a university student, uh, as in most universities, University of Natal, where I initially studied, uh, had graffiti over the, law, uh, over the walls of all its bathrooms. And there was kind of like this convention. There, the, the, there were three walls in which, uh, of, the, of the bathroom in which uh, graffiti was written. The one, predictably, was for the pornographic. Another was for, for political comment. But then there was another for the witty and the, and the funny. And on that witty and funny wall, someone had written, Easter has been cancelled. They found the body. Easter's been cancelled, they found the way. No, no, that's a, that's a clever little comment, except, except they haven't. I mean, they haven't, and that's just the truth. And at some point you've got to say, why didn't they? Why did they never find the body of Jesus? And, and, and this Easter, you, you've got to stand at that empty tomb, and you have to say, is it really empty? Has this man been resurrected from the dead? If he has, that has to change everything. And the question moves from where is the body to the body is gone. But what does this mean? What does this mean? And if you respond to the invitation with a yes, you quickly realize that this means that this means the birth of hope. It means the death of death. It means a future that is completely different. It means a party that never, ever ends. This Easter time, I urge you to say yes to the invitation that comes to us to stand at the empty tomb of Jesus and to realize that his resurrection changes everything for us, that we can no longer be people who timidly live in fear of our death, that we cannot be people who succumb to thinking that we should despair because there is no purpose or reason in life. That we cannot be people who think that there is no God or that God does not care for us. But we must be people who realize that Jesus is real. Jesus is alive. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the conqueror of death. Yes, we are creatures of eternity. And it begins by standing at the empty tomb. And then realizing that actually, 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 the invitation is not just to stand at the the tomb of Jesus. The invitation is to say, yes, Jesus. Jesus, you are Lord. I embrace you. I will follow you. I will serve you. You have won and captured my heart forever. Invitations. Invitations for dinner with prime ministers or afternoon tea with queens. All very well. But the invitation to a relationship with God for now and for eternity 
Oh, that is the most amazing of all invitations. And you must, you must, you must say yes to it. Let's pray together. And only you can know if you have said yes to Easter. Only you can know if you said yes to Jesus. Look inside your heart. Recognize that this history-transforming act was not just for everyone, it was also very particularly for you. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, why not just say in your heart these words, not dear Lord Jesus. Thank you that you came to the world and you lived amongst us and you showed us how to live. Thank you that you were crucified for me, for my sin, for my fallenness. Thank you that your blood can set me free. Come into my life, risen Jesus. Give me the strength and the power to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, that you have heard my prayer. Amen.